Chapter 40 Gone, said Lowenval. Gone? How could it be? Bring the guardsmen at once. Two sentinels who had gone to replace those on duty were in the magician's apartment. We can't awaken them, said one. They're alive, but drugged or poisoned. Drugged, bellowed Lowenval. We found this jar, he held it out. Smells of mushrooms? Mushrooms, roared Lowenval. Taking the jar, he sniffed it and his face turned purple. His specialty, the extract. Find them, he shouted. The foreigner and the human. They must be in the forest, perhaps together. Leave no stone unturned. The human must not get away. Going from the ecstasy of freedom to the agony of confinement was the worst thing Bailey had ever endured. And he knew there was no way out. That night, trying to rest near Bailey, Tarek sorted through the cause of his obsession with humans. Never before had he thought about the consequences of his actions. What in the world was I thinking? What drove me to do this? Was I so jealous of everyone's previous contact with humans that I didn't think ahead? The human has done nothing but harm Kirins, including Gielin, my own compatriot. Having hurt everyone else, why did I presume he wouldn't hurt me? Was I imitating Till in having my own human? What would Speckerin think of this? He'd be furious, not believing it could happen, mortified that I was one of his party. What would Gielin think, or Till? They'd be horrified and disgusted. If only I could go back to Lowenval for help. But he wants the human dead, and might see to it that he is before the seer's search party returns. He could also want me dead. The elders are gone. He would have no opposition. It's up to me, he thought, stomach churning. I'm the only one who can pull the human through. I must find Tominietto before it's too late. When morning came, he left to search for the medicinal herb. Coming back periodically to look after Bailey, he finally returned in the evening, exhausted and empty-handed. By then, the leg had turned a deep purple, but the bleeding and swelling had stopped. Bailey knew that under normal circumstances, he would have undergone surgery, but he could hardly have that here, and the leg was in a precarious condition. They spoke with each other, only in a whisper, Bailey telling Tarek he'd need a crutch. Two would be better. The Kieran had never heard of them. Bailey described their appearance and function. The next day, Tarek went out and brought back a piece of wood, then worked on it with a knife from his satchel until it seemed to suit the purpose. Bailey approved. Tarek laid it near the human until it could be tested, then went out for another piece of wood and fashioned a second. Finding thicker wooden splints, he tied Bailey's handkerchief strips carefully around them to support the leg, even crafted a crude bucket from a log to carry water. Going outside several times a day, always on the lookout for pursuers and searching for Tom and Yetto, he brought back food and water and kept Bailey informed about what he saw. During the daytime, they used the lamp sparingly. It showed no sign of burning out. Even though at this time of year it was only dusky but never dark at night, they covered the lamp for fear its light might be detected. Time passed slowly for Bailey. When Tarek was there, they conversed on a variety of subjects and got to know each other. The human brought up his past life, including the fishing boat Vanity, his one and only book Moby Dick, 
and his transgressions against Eric, Till, and Gielin. Now I've gotten a third Kieran in trouble, he said. You. Keeping the leg elevated caused the pain and swelling to subside, and Bailey began having hope. But on the fourth day, exactly what he'd wished would not happen did. He developed a mild fever. The skin around the wound became pink, and the opening began draining, slightly at first, but more copiously as time went on. Tarek had feared this also. Without aid, he was afraid Bailey might die. Helpless, all he could do was keep a cool compress on Bailey's forehead and wait. Bailey recognized now he was in for trouble and knew what had to be done. He had been planning for this possibility, and his strategy involved the Kirin. The following day, his fever rose. He was alternately hot and shivering, and redness was spreading up his leg. Speaking softly, but emphatically, he gave Tarek instructions. If this gets worse, you must do something to save my life. It must be done, no matter how awful it seems. You must take off my leg. Though open injuries occurred in the realm of Kirin's, herbs and magic to control them, those were unavailable here. But Tarek had never heard of such a drastic, disfiguring measure and was puzzled. I think I misunderstood. You must remove my leg. The Kirin recoiled in horror. Bailey whispered hoarsely, It might be the only way to save my life. If the infection gets worse, I'll die. Take your knife and make a cut below the knee where the bone's broken. Remove the leg and wrap something tight around the end of the remaining portion to stop the bleeding. Aghast and terrified, Tarek knew he could never perform such an act. Over the next two days, Bailey's condition deteriorated. Tarek suspended all trips outside except to retrieve water. Bailey's fever became high, his chills violent, and the drainage profuse. Then something else alarming happened. The first hint was when he asked for water. Get me some from the galley there, he said, pointing to the tree's inner surface. Tarek didn't know what to say, but he got water from the bucket and things gradually degenerated from there. That's my baseball mitt, murmured Bailey a short time later. Yours is over here. Mine says Little League All-Star on the fifth finger. I wrote it myself in ballpoint. He began reaching for things in the air and gazing blankly at his surroundings. He was alternately quiet and agitated perspiring and shivering until he lapsed into a period of quiescence and sleep. Suddenly, his eyes opened, and he looked sternly at Tarek. Come here! Grabbing the Kirin, he shook him. I'm drowning! he cried. Save me! Terrified that they'd be overheard and discovered, Tarek tried to quiet him. Bailey fell back, mumbling and agitated. Then, in a siege of chills, he shouted again. Gale's blowing up! He sat bolt upright. There! Ahead! The hump of the great white whale! Quick! The harpoon! Get me to the whale boat! He tried to stand up, but Tarek held him down and they struggled. Weak and spent, Bailey collapsed to the wooden surface, lying unmoving for a long while, then slowly opened his eyes. 
gone, he whimpered. Mama left me alone? Tears swelled in his eyes and ran down his cheeks. His face became ashen and drawn, his mouth agape and his breathing shallow and intermittent. Thinking anxiously through Bailey's instructions, Tarek was petrified. As day broke, the Kieran sat grimly by his companion and thought about what he had done. After seeing Bailey deteriorate and lapse into unconsciousness, alone and desperate, he had carried out the human's gruesome instructions. Fighting dread and nausea, he gripped his pruning knife and incised Bailey's leg near the fracture. Quickly wrapping the stump with the cloth torn earlier from his shirt, he secured it tightly with the handkerchief strips. Afterward, Bailey endured a high fever, profuse sweating, and laborious breathing, Tarek staring all night at the depleted man, afraid he had waited too long. I, he thought, always wishing to befriend a human, have alienated my clansmen and caused irreparable harm to the only human I ever knew. He might die. It wasn't my fault he stepped in a hole, but if I hadn't helped him escape, this never would have happened. Later in the morning, the fever broke. The perspiration ceased, and Bailey's breathing gradually became regular. He then appeared to fall into a deep slumber. Eyes suddenly opening, he lifted his head and peered about, his haphazard gaze falling upon the Kieran. Bailey looked puzzled, then smiled faintly. He glanced curiously at his leg, then back at Tarek. Closing his eyes, he laid back and it was quiet for a long while. Finally, he spoke in a throaty whisper. You did what had to be done. The Kieran's relief was enormous. Over the next few days, Bailey improved slowly. The fever leveled off and he never lost touch with reality. Tarek kept his wound clean and brought him food and water. Bailey consumed what he could, but it wasn't much. They don't seem to be searching for us, said the Kieran on the ninth day of their confinement, his English improved. I've seen no one. They're looking, said Bailey, smiling wryly. Learning anything about humans? Is this what you had in mind? <laughs> Not exactly. Bailey began worrying about something. Working on an Alaskan fishing vessel was a highly hazardous occupation, and as a captain he had witnessed many injuries. He'd broken his hand and arm in an accident, but medical attention was always available. Uncertain what treatment was required for his injury, he was certain he couldn't receive it here. The wound was slowly healing, but when he periodically tried to get up, he was rebuffed by pain as blood rushed to his leg. On the tenth day, Tarek returned with a grim look on his face. I saw a band of Kirins carrying weapons and looking like a search party. I couldn't understand what they said. I was cautious, and they didn't see me. It was a matter of time, said Bailey with a cheerless smile. The word's out. They're finally covering this portion of the forest. That magician won't rest until I'm in his clutches. He glanced at the Kirin. And you, my friend, he isn't too happy with you either. Tarek knew, of course, he was right. I brought this on myself, thought Bailey. If I hadn't been greedy and harmed Till, 
this never would have happened. I've lived a life disregarding others, he said, abusing them. I wasn't a good captain to my crew, even a good father to my son or husband to my wife, always putting myself first, not caring about the consequences to others. I justified it because my mother deserted me. I'd been hurt, so I could hurt anyone I pleased. For the first time in years, he felt humble. Glancing at Tarek, he was struck that his only friend in the world was a Kirin. The next day, Tarek saw another party, and the following day another, each member carrying a weapon and wearing clothing he wasn't familiar with. One night, the fugitives saw torchlight flickering at the base of their tree, but were thankful no one entered. For the following two days, no searchers were seen. We may have weathered the storm, said Bailey on the morning of the fourteenth day. They might have gone elsewhere. For Bailey, nighttime was miserable. He had a difficulty sleeping, and his thoughts went to troubling periods of his life, particularly the days aboard Vanity, when he held Till prisoner. When he did sleep, it was restless, and he had jumbled and frightening nightmares. One day, a tremor in his voice, he told Tarek about them. I'm on a boat. Till's there and Eric. I taunt them relentlessly, calling Till Melville and Sprite, and making threats against him and his friend. Uh, Eric's held down and in my hands is a crowbar, uh, a heavy object. Calling him Ahab and raising it overhead, I'm about to bring it down on his legs when an army of invisible beings topples me. They restrain me and rain blows down on my arms and legs and all over my body with their weapons. Waking in a cold sweat, I remember where I am. I look down at my leg and think, look who's Ahab now. Deeply concerned for his companion, Tarek could do nothing more to help. On the 18th day, Bailey was still immobile and becoming thinner and paler by the day. Eat pleaded Tarek, placing food beside him. You must regain your strength. It doesn't matter, said Bailey hoarsely. This is my punishment. Eating nothing, he drank a little water. You're good to me, he whispered in the dark that night. Too good. No one's been as good to me, not even my mother. At times she was kind, but then she left. I renew my father. You're the best friend I've had. Without you, I wouldn't have survived. <sighs> Capturing and enslaving Till was horribly wrong. I'm sorry for it. If I had a second chance, things would be different. The space was all at once alight, and Kieran's and Black were in their midst. Voices shouted in a foreign tongue, and firelight danced mockingly on the walls. The human can't walk, cried Tarek and Reuven. One leg is missing. Wielding torches and weapons, the searchers stared at Bailey's leg, having never seen anything like it. We'll carry him, said the leader. The fugitives' hands were bound behind their backs. Several searchers grasped Bailey and lifted him, pain surging through his leg, then bore him down through the tree's crevices and outside. Tarek followed in the grasp of two others. It was the middle of the night 
but light was plentiful in the sky. Other stimulated Kirins, also with torches and in black, came from every direction. So, you're the traitor, said one, jostling Tarek, a weapon against his chest. Stranger, you've got yourself a serious problem. Take them to the Anvokes, said the leader. Send a message ahead to tell them we're coming. As they moved through the forest, the pain in Bailey's leg was incessant. But worse, he was utterly certain what fate awaited him now.